In the gospel readings that we heard during Advent and Christmas, we got to know many of the important people in Jesus' early life, from parents and relatives to elders in the synagogue, even strangers from foreign lands. But now in these Sundays after the Epiphany, we get to know Jesus finally, because his story is now the one that becomes the main story in all four Gospels. And they each have their own way of telling it, each one of the Gospel writers. And I like that because it gives us many different ways of seeing Jesus' identity. One of our Lutheran seminary professors says that if you want to see who Jesus is through the eyes of any one of these four Gospel writers, look at the first public act that they record in each of their Gospels. In Matthew, Jesus' first public act is the Sermon on the Mount, where he is revealed as a powerful and provocative teacher. In Luke, it is Jesus' prophetic homily in the synagogue, where we meet him as the one who comes as God's anointed to bring liberation to the poor and to the oppressed. In John, Jesus' first public act is a sign of God's abundance, as he turns water into wine at a wedding. And then we come to Mark, the gospel that we will be hearing most often now in this new cycle of readings for the church year. In Mark, Jesus' first public act is the exorcism that we just heard about in this gospel story today. And if you're like me, you might read it and ask, well, what important thing does that reveal to us about Jesus? The author of a commentary that I was reading this week suggests that it reveals Jesus to us, first of all, as a boundary breaker. We see this all through Mark, she writes. Each and every boundary that we try to put in place, that we think is in place, even that we perceive as impenetrable, God bursts through. Other Bible scholars help us see that Mark's entire gospel is a story about a great struggle over these boundaries that pits the power of God against all the other powers of the universe that defy God and that rebel against God. So, to put it another way, maybe, this first public act in Mark's gospel is his way of saying that Jesus has come to oppose all forces that keep the children of God from this dream of God for abundant life and especially for well-being for every one of us. That he comes to break down the barriers that stand between us uh, and those gifts. The challenge, I think, for many of us in North America is that we have a hard time relating to stories about demon possession. I can't speak for all of us, and certainly this is a cultural thing in our country, but many of us doubt that, that uh, there are, I doubt that I should say that many of us really spend a lot of time worrying about the power of unclean spirits that can inhabit individuals and possess them uh, in our lives or in communities. The power that unclean spirits have to, to take over us. So when we come to stories, like this one, where Jesus 
authority is being used to exercise a demon that has inhabited a person, we tend to put it in a category of things that maybe just seem more distant or irrelevant to our lives. But we represent only one part of the global Christian community that is hearing this text today. I know, for example, that when it is read in Lutheran churches across Madagascar, people will connect with it in a very close and relevant way. And that is because exorcism of unclean spirits is a regular part of Lutheran worship, Sunday morning Lutheran worship in Madagascar. When my family visited there in 2013, we joined an old friend of mine for Sunday worship in the capital city. And about midway through the service, about 10 members of the congregation who were dressed in white and who are called shepherds stood across the whole front of the sanctuary facing us. And what they saw apparently was not just people but people who were threatened by the power of unclean spirits that were within us and around us in that place. So they began by shouting at the top of their lungs, demanding that the spirits be cast out in the name of Jesus. And then if you can imagine this, all 10 of them spread out and they came down every aisle next to every pew, screaming, yelling, waving their arms, to, in the name of Jesus, cast out the powers that were trying to claim us as God's people, as their own. And then they did something beautiful, which happens every Sunday. After commanding the unclean spirits to flee, they took their places again at the front of the sanctuary, but this time they put down prayer mats in front of each one of them. For anyone who wanted to come and receive the new power of God's Holy Spirit within them. Little children and youth were the first to come, and it was clear that no one was in a hurry. The shepherds gently laid their hands on each one of them, praying now in quiet, calm voices. Adults followed, and the rest of us sang hymns for about an hour, while people heard prayers for each one of them that were probably just a longer version of the one that was said at their baptism, when the community asks that God's Spirit be poured out upon us. I'm not suggesting that we conform our worship practices here to those of our Malagasy brothers and sisters, but I do wonder how we let the power of this gospel story touch our own lives. We may not see the great power struggle over boundaries in the same way that they do, but that doesn't mean that we are less vulnerable to the unclean spirits that possess us or any less dependent on the Holy Spirit of God to liberate us. A starting place for us maybe would be to remember that we do have some ways of talking about this in our own common language. Has anyone ever asked, what possessed you to do that? If so, we may have been hearing that because we did something that was not at the core of who we are, something different. And in the end, I think we all 
recognize that there are unclean spirits that can take charge of us, that can possess us in harmful ways. In our own Lutheran tradition, we acknowledge that the unclean spirit of self-centeredness is one of the most powerful forces that we contend with as human beings. Sadly, it is a battle that many of us lose ground on in many ways every day, in every instance where we put our own needs and desires ahead of our neighbor and ahead of the well-being of all. And then on the other side, there is the unclean spirit of self-abasement or even self-loathing that some know all too well. That's the spirit that possesses our hearts and minds in ways that defy the truth that we are not only created by God, but that we are created of God, that God is within us and that we are God's beloved. If you live with that struggle, you know the power that an unclean spirit like that has. In our adult forum today, the topics of patriarchy and sexism are being addressed. And it wouldn't be out of place to call those unclean spirits as well. At their core, they are destructive forces that possess people and take over the whole way of seeing ourselves and others. And the result is that God's beloved community is broken apart and reconstructed in ways that defy God's holy intention for all of us. On the national level, we're all seeing what happens when the unclean spirits of hatred and bigotry and racism and self-righteousness possess the hearts and minds of people. It is ugly, it is violent, it is crude, and it creates an almost impenetrable barrier between who we are and who we can become as God's beloved people. I say an almost impenetrable barrier because I still believe the truth of this gospel story today. I still believe that Jesus is among us to shatter just those kind of barriers and that his free spirit is infinitely more powerful than all of the unclean spirits that colonize our minds and occupy our hearts. And I believe also that Jesus is able to do more than cast out unclean spirits. That trust has grown within me over the years. And it is probably the reason why I have been drawn to a particular prayer. The trust that has grown within me is that God is able to replace that unclean spirit with God's clean and holy spirit in the way that those worshipers experienced it in Madagascar when hands were put on them and prayers were said. That trust has led me to hold a certain prayer very close to my heart. In fact, as I thought about it this week, I would say it has occupied my heart. It has possessed me since I was a teenager. And I can't tell you why. I can just say that it has made a home within me like no other prayer. And often I'm surprised by that because 
I would expect it to grow old or to lose relevance for me. If you've been around Lutheran worship, you probably know it too. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Deep down, that is the prayer that I hold for all of us today, here and around the world, with trust that God's creative and renewing spirit is still greater than all of the unclean spirits in the universe. And for that I say, thanks be to God. <laughs>